podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. All righty, everyone. Welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast recording. At this stage, I'm doing the whole show solo because... I'm still waiting for Jaleesa and Paul to turn up. So it could be solo manners. You could get the first ever um, Cricket Unfiltered where it's just me. Uh, That would be quite incredible history. Uh, And what a week for the podcast. I mean, I got my dream interview of Steve Waugh on the show earlier this week. I mean, an incredible turn of events. Uh, I could never have dreamed that Waugh would come on the podcast, but he, he finally relented and um, came on the show. So I've crossed off one of my um, wish lists. Paul, welcome. How are you? G'day, Menas. Can you hear me? I can. And so can That's the listeners, good. hopefully. Can you hear That's me? Excellent. I can hear you. What what an amazing um, example of technology this is. Fantastic. And once again, I uh, see that you've uh, taken great delight in, with me being one second late, you've jumped on straight away. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we were supposed to go at 11, then we were supposed to go at 1. Um, so Jaleesa is still stuck with the Matildas, no doubt. Um, that's what it, that's that's what happens when you work with a true professional who's in such hot demand. We just have to hope she'll turn up at some stage. Indeed. Um, yeah, I was saying, um, you know, what a thrill it was to get uh, Steve Waugh on the show earlier this week. Uh, yeah, you've been... Uh, it's been your uh, goal, holy grail for ages, and I, I'm really excited as well. It's, fa- it's a fantastic achievement. I'm really, um, I'm really thrilled that you did, and I think Jaleesa's about to arrive. She's yeah, um, she's making quite a stunning entrance with the internet already glitching before she's even in the stream. So, uh, as I think the odds were on Sportsbet, a dollar ten that you'd annoy me and Jaleesa would have technical um i don't know you i don't know you and jaleesa would have technical issues we can say um oh great now you think channel 10 would have these you think channel 10 would have decent internet jaleesa what's wrong with the internet oh it's all right you just like like 1996 yeah you're looking (laughs) a little bit grainy a little bit slow but that's okay that's all right. Well, how are how are oh. the Matildas? Uh, it was the US women's Great. side. I did the Matildas on Zoom, but the US women's side, they were at the Sydney Zoo and Aquarium, and it was the best day ever. I had a great time. I saw a koala. <laughs> I saw well, I saw lots of koalas. I saw a kangaroo, I saw some rock wallabies, um, some snakes. Didn't get to hold the snake, but anyway. Did you um uh <laughs> Did you see any giraffes? <laughs> I was going to make a no. Tim, Payne snake, Tim Payne snake joke, but I won't. Um, all right, let's get oh, into... I was going um, to say, what's so funny about a giraffe? You were laughing and I was like, oh, no, is this an inside joke? It's an inside joke in my crazy brain. Um, all no, righty, so let's get in. I stream because we can't edit it. That's it. <laughs> well... Um, all right, well, let's get into it. We've got a lot to get through. So it's um, we've got um, the big news, uh, obviously, uh, still reacting to the Tim Payne fallout. Then we're going to get into the headlines, the, the WBBLs hitting its final stages. Uh, the Sheffield Shield is underway. And then we've got lots of listener correspondence to get through. It's been alive and well on the wires the last few days. They've been coming in. So um, let's start, though, with, um, you know, the Tim Payne fallout. And I thought... What we'll do is let's go through sort of each party individually and just see where they've gone wrong. So, um, you know, I want to start with Tim <laughs> Payne. I like the delay. Delays can just laugh at my jokes a minute after they go to air. Um, <laughs> now, now I'm just waiting for the laugh now. Oh, no, no, I've heard oh. you. I'm just scared. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, so Tim Payne. Okay, so yesterday, um, Cricket Tasmania were pretty scathing in their treatment. Uh, they, they, they were pretty scathing in their response about the treatment of Tim Payne by Cricket Australia. But, but I mean, where, I guess, Jaleesa, you can start. You know, what did Tim Payne do wrong in this situation? Well, what Tim Payne did wrong in this situation dates back four years, so quite a while ago. But to me, the thing, the part where Tim Payne has gone wrong was sending the picture. That is pretty, it's pretty straightforward to me. So when everyone's sort of saying, well, it was, you know, it was, um, you know, there was a consensual exchange and all that kind of thing. That part isn't clear that that was consensual to receive that photo. So his language is obviously quite a lot more escalated than than hers, but up until the point of the photo, I don't have a problem with the exchange because it does seem like a consensual, very flirty consensual exchange between two mm. a consenting adults. It's the photo that I had uh, a problem with. But in Tim, Tim Payne's defence, and we haven't seen the full investigation, so we don't know how the investigation was done or how extensive it was, but in Tim Payne's defence, he was cleared at that time. And that's where the confusion comes, I think. It's like this feeling of double jeopardy. Um, well, why are you only in trouble when it gets out to the media? And that's the problem that I've had with the whole situation is that it's been a smother job until it got out to the media and then suddenly you want to punish him and I have a big real big problem with that because if you don't think that what he did was right then you shouldn't have thought it was right for all these years what do you think paul yeah i think that jaleesa has characterized the the main issue very well that that whole it does come down to the to consent that the uh i've read the sort of both of those viewpoints and i must say that it's i don't think i've read many females who have been all that supportive of tim Payne. most of them are more supportive of the female staffer and they're making the point that um you know her complaint indicated that uh it, no matter what the finding was that that it wasn't consensual and that that and as as jaleesa said he, his language just before and after sending the photo and the photo itself was on the face of it a substantial escalation from the the flirty chat beforehand to something that was um you know several orders of magnitude higher uh, and so that's the, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, they don't have much sympathy for him because, and these women talk about how, you know, they've all experienced it and it, it's a very unwelcome and unpleasant thing to have to experience. And that's kind of um, where, where, they, uh, where they conclude. And then you go to the other point of it, the Cricket Tasmania side of it and talking about the fact that uh, the integrity investigations did clear him and they said that what he had done had not amounted to a breach of their standards they didn't condone what he had done, etc. But the decision was made at the time in 2018, in June 2018, several months after he'd been appointed captain, that it didn't require him to then be uh, removed from the position. So you can then say, well, okay, I can understand if that's the point that you take, how Cricket Tasmania would now be feeling that why was it okay then and not okay now? And you could almost say, well, was it a thorough investigation at the time saying, okay, we're not going to just investigate the actions. We're going to investigate the actions in the light of the fact that he is now the Australian test captain. And if that investigation was fell short of the rigour that was required, um, then they obviously made a mistake at the time and they should have um, sacked him there and then. On the other hand, if that investigation was searingly, brutally um, uh, powerful and it was held, held him to the highest standards and said, although it was unseemly what he did, uh, you know, knowing more than we probably know, um, if they had then said, no, it genuinely doesn't require him to be stood down, then you would like to think that now, and at the time they would have said, listen, if this ever comes out, we will, we will ride through with it and we will back you and we'll make our position clear and explain our reasons for doing so. So the fact that they've kind of done, done neither one thing nor the other really does leave them open to uh, a lot of criticism. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Tim Payne, he even writes in the messages to this woman that if this gets out, he's fucked. So he knows that yeah. he's crossing a line. Then he also knew, he also knew by not releasing it to the public, it was a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. So I don't think it should come to any surprise to Tim Payne that he's had to resign. He knew it was there. He knew this could happen. And he chose, he chose not to release the findings of the 
the inquiry in 2018. Now, Nick Cummins, who, who was head of Cricket Tasmania at the time, was on uh, Jared Waitley's show yesterday, and he said that the Cricket Australia policy is not to release the findings of inquiries if an, uh, a breach is not found. But Tim Payne knew, despite the fact that no breach was found, it needed to be dealt with at the time. And, you know, you, you look at the, the context of the time. It was just after Sandpaper Gate. Australian cricket was in absolute turmoil and they chose the easy option, which is let, let's just hope it goes away. And uh, it was just waiting to explode. So I, I think, um, you know, Cricket Tasmania saying that, um, you know, it's Cricket Australia handling Tim Payne badly now, I, I think it more points to how it was handled at the time that they'd actually just botched it then. And, uh, you know, no surprise that former chairman David Peaver is defending his actions. Well, he's left a, a terrible legacy on the game in this country, and, and no, this is just another part of it. But we don't know the full investigation, and perhaps he mm. he was cleared, and um, maybe the investigation was done correctly and he was cleared. And perhaps Tim, Tim Payne at this point didn't need to stand down at all if they if they're really confident that it was done correctly then perhaps he didn't need to stand down at all but absolutely but then bring it out then release it i was investigated over a matter a private conversation and i was cleared and then it's done it's an interesting point that you make men is about the um the message um that said if this gets out we're ducked um it it's an interesting point because to me that just shows really poor judgment from someone who needs the best judgment, one of the best judgment in the country, especially coming off um, a period where we had seen the whole team torn apart because of poor judgment. It just uh, felt like, well, if anything, I don't really want that to be the Australian, even if he's done nothing wrong, if it was all consenting, if he knows that this is going to blow up in his face if it comes out and he's still chosen to send it that's terrible judgment and i don't really want that kind of judgment as the head of um, the australian cricket team there's also the element that um you know like there was an article by jess halloran in the daily telegraph today and she writes just like that tim payne has somehow become the victim Paying the guy that sent an unsolicited picture of his penis to a woman and she in turn complained is the one cricket Tasmania is saying we should feel sorry for. And I, I see where um, Jess is coming from that, um, you know, we've got to stop making excuses for pain and it's a bad look for cricket Tasmania um, to be coming out with these statements. Well, it was a weird response from cricket Tasmania from the start when they said something about, um, oh, this woman... Um, has been charged with theft. All right. That's right. Mm. Okay. And sorry, what, what am I? Uh, okay. Well, then send her all the unsolicited pictures you want. Like what? Yeah. That was just exactly. the most bizarre. It just sounded like even if you were trying to provide some weird context, you actually just sounded like you were victim blaming and you gave, mm. made yourselves look horrendous. And. And look, there's some comments here, and, and and look, let me be very clear. I have no personal judgment on pain. Uh, you can send people can send pictures of their members to whoever they want if it's consensual and it's not yeah. in a professional environment. I mean, um, you know, like, and, and I'm sort of feeling that the investigation that was done has has gone around the technicalities of the fact that Tim Payne wasn't a contracted Cricket Tasmania employee. He was a Cricket Australia contracted player at that time. And, um, you know, she was a Cricket Tasmania contracted. So so you could sort of, um, you could sort of pay, you know, you could draw a few, you know, do a bit of fancy footwork and say, well, they weren't actually co-workers, but I'm sorry, that's just BS. As soon as Tim Payne is picked in that Australian side, he's worth a fortune to Cricket Tasmania. How much is it worth to them having the Australian captain? Hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm guessing. Mm. So uh, I think they just danced around it to find the result they wanted and, you know, if they were really convinced that he was innocent, they should have released it at the time. Our Australian captain was investigated and we found no breach. And then, you know, what, who knows what would have happened then. He probably would have had to step down anyway, but wouldn't be a week before the ashes. Yeah, the lack of the clarity around. It would be good to get those details as well now. I mean, I, I don't assume we ever will um, and maybe there are reasons that, that, that they can't, but... 
in an, in this uh, era where they want to be more uh, open and transparent, why can't they release the full text of the investigations that occurred back mm. at the time? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm surprised the photo hasn't bobbed up itself on social media somewhere. <laughs> Usually these things emerge on the internet somewhere. Um, Jaleesa's shaking her head. No. Just coffee, cold brew, a bit of orange. Um, oh. So the, the, the next question is then and about Tim Payne playing in the Gabba. So I was pretty um, vociferous when the news came out that I, I didn't think he'd play in the Gabba and probably shouldn't. Um, what, what do you two think now? I think that he will just purely because they've actually already picked the squad, like, you know, they've picked the squad. So I think that he will because it would be um, it'll be a big thing for them to then actually, you'd have to actually change, you know, get rid of him. It's not like the squad hasn't been um, picked. But um, so I, I think they'll show him a bit of loyalty. Um, I don't think that they should, not because of this, scandal because I think that he's paid the price for that but just because I just don't think he's in form like we've seen in the last couple of days so I, I just don't think he's the best person to be picked what about you Paul uh it's hard to know I mean my instinct is to say I, I agree with Julissa in terms of it feels as though the punishment of losing the captaincy and forever this will be the first thing that people remember about him um that is a very ignominious thing and it seems a a pretty strong punishment so i'm okay i think with him still playing in the side when you then move to just cricketing questions I, as i've often said i think it's probably much of a muchness i think that whether it's Kerry or whether it's um someone else or pain they're probably likely to do a fairly similar job in the ashes and i think that's what you need to consider that it's the only it's the most important test series so i don't think you need to have an eye for the future. I think you just need to have an eye for saying which cricketer is most likely for uh, to do the best for Australia in these five Ashes test matches. And I think that if you could somehow quantify it, you'd find that Payne, um, whether it's uh, Carey or uh, Inglis or Jimmy Pearson or Matthew Wade, there wouldn't be a great deal um, between them. And given that Payne is the incumbent, has had you know a pretty decent record. He's averaged more than Rod Marsh and Ian Healy then, again, I can live with it if they pick him in the side. You're curious that George Bailey... It'd be interesting... Sorry. It'd be interesting to see how he handles the pressure, though, of um, being, um, you know, that that kind of chat that's going to come at him at the Gabba. Like, we saw he didn't handle the pressure at all when there was started to be a bit of a verbal exchange at the Gabba with India. He just got frustrated and was performing terribly. Well, it's about to get 1,000 times worse and especially when you got the Barmy army there i wonder whether it will um i mean a the Barmy army will be reduced in number because of the the travel situation i just feel that people won't i mean there'll be some i think but i just my instinct is it won't be quite as big as maybe people people think uh peter lawler made a good comment on the the radio with jared waitley i think it was yesterday saying that it's probably the best the, the place he enjoys being most at the moment is in the middle of a cricket field because it's kind of a you know, you don't have to deal with your phone or the media there. You're, you're kind of in a, a relatively good space. So uh, I think my instinct is that he'll handle the pressure okay and that he'll probably, again, deliver a performance similar to what he has done, and that is of a, a very decent uh, wicketkeeper batsman. Yeah, I, um, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, George Bailey um, you know, said he's not going to take part in the, the final decision of whether um, – Tim Payne should play at the Gabba because of their very close friendship and business partnership. And, you know, Mark War said that was a bit of a cop-out and Robert Craddock said much the same. I, I see where they're coming from, but I also think that at some point you've got to acknowledge, if you're Bailey, that there's too much bias, you know, there's too much subconscious bias for him to make an objective decision on it. Um, so I can sort of support that. I mean, good for him for acknowledging his own bias, but maybe you shouldn't have taken on the job then because that's you're going to have to deal with all these people who you are probably pretty close to. So if you can't I think Payne's a different case, though, because they're actually not just – apparently they're, like, really good mates and, um, you know, they have a business well, together. But if not, you're that close to the Australian captain, 
that if you're that close to the Australian captain, then then probably maybe you shouldn't be taking take on the job. Yeah, maybe. I, I can um, see that point. Um, I mean, they would argue that I suppose, and I don't agree with this argument, but they would argue that by being so close to the players and a relatively recent product of the system, that he has greater insight, greater affinity with them, can deliver messages in a way better than in the past. And there's been accusations in the past that the selectors have been a little bit remote and players haven't been given the feedback that's needed. And I think that they would say that by getting Bailey, we get someone with these relationships so those conversations will be a lot better. And the trade-off to that is, well, he's a relatively recent um, player, so he is going to have close relationships with some of the players. And they would say that trade-off is acceptable. I was, as I would always say, is I'd rather someone who was, didn't know any of them but was just fantastic at picking cricket size, but that's a separate point. Uh, it, uh, you've you've raised, raised a couple of good points, Paul. The first one is that if this had come out in 2018, um, you know, who would they have made captain in the in the place of Tim Payne? Um, because, you know, you had Smith suspended, Warner suspended, um, you know, you're right. It would have been a very interesting call who they called in as skipper. Well, I was thinking about it. I mean, um, it might have been Aaron Finch because it was 2018. Uh, he was about to make his test debut. It would have been quite a thing for him to make <laughs> his test debut as captain. But he had been the... Um, Although he'd been robbed of the one-day captaincy for that tour, wasn't it? Didn't didn't they? That shows how strongly they had invested in Payne. That Payne, who wasn't even in the one-day side, really had been put in there. And this came out the of... day left. The day left. Right. This came out. <laughs> he got the note word. I mean, Usman right. Kawaja, I think, would have been made captain in that case. I can't. Ah, yes, I'd forgotten about him. Yeah, I think. He yeah, would have been. I was yes. thinking Usman as well. Yeah. Now you're hundred percent right. And then finally, um... and I think, and I think he would be a really good captain, actually. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sliding doors and, finally, um, and then can't even get back yeah. to the team. <laughs> and and the other one is Peter, Peter Neville. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in the notes here, Paul. I was um, going to say that was a good point. I didn't realize. I forgot I made yeah. it. <laughs> he just, I think he just um, became the third or fourth New South, New South Welshman to play 100 Shield matches for the state. And, you know, he was dropped after the debacle against South Africa because he was deemed as too nice. And yeah. they actually brought in Matthew Wade too as nice. the attack. Yeah, they brought in Matthew Wade as the attack dog behind the stumps and then he was dropped and they said to David Warner, you be the attack dog, which led to Sandpaper Gate. So, you know, you're right, Paul. We could be sitting here now paying tribute to Peter Neville as Australian captain for the last four years, you know, 60, 70 tests. Um, yeah, it's very. It's a sliding doors moment. The poor guy was, uh, I think, shafted. Well, they said to him basically, mate, we need someone behind the stumps. We don't really care whether you catch any balls or stump any batters or score any runs. We need someone who can say things like along the lines of "Can't wait you to get, you, can't wait to get you up to the gabber, Ash." Um, you know, we need someone who can really <laughs> offend the opposition, and uh, <laughs> you know, and that's why they brought Matthew Wade in just to sort of um, uh, to sledge. So yeah, Moses, he was very, very harshly treated. Moses Enriquez put a an, an post on Instagram where he sort of captured an image of Neville's. 100 games being acknowledged and he said this is a high integrity person above it or something and if mm. you can't yeah. like there's a definite um little stab there that uh you know i don't think neville would have done the same actions um i don't think it was a stab though i think it was more just lifting up neville yeah but i can i'm going to read more into it um all righty. So, All right. any anything you two want to add on the um, the pain penis debacle? No, I'm just that I'm so sick. This is the last time I'm talking about it, not with you guys, but forever. Okay, you won't I'm be talking about pain's penis again. Let's put pain's penis talking away. About it again. No. Uh, all right. Let's get into the cricket headlines. Brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. And, um, you know, we're going to lurch from one difficult topic to another one. England cricket is in crisis. We haven't touched on the Azeem Rafiq uh, inquiry. Paul, I've given you the, the sticky task of leading this news topic. Yeah, so I've just, um, if for those of you who, uh, most of you probably be aware of it, but a quick summary, um, Azeem Rafiq, uh, is a cricketer. He was born in Pakistan, came to England when he was 10. He was an off-spinning all-rounder and he played for many years for Yorkshire. Um, but just recently, about a year ago, 
he made some allegations of uh, racism at Yorkshire County Cricket Club and uh, some very serious allegations of systemic racism. And over the months that followed, Yorkshire really uh, dragged their heels and did, you know, did a very poor job of investigating it. They were slow. They were lacking in transparency. They wouldn't release reports. They would only release sort of redacted reports. They really um, had a very poor period. And kind of nothing really happened until eventually it all came to a head. And the, the, the extent of how significant the racism was and how poorly Yorkshire had handled it uh, resulted in sponsors deserting Yorkshire um, one after the other. And this all happened in the space of a few hours. And the England and Wales Cricket Board, the ECB, uh, um, saying that Yorkshire was no longer entitled to host international matches um, for sort of indefinitely. Now, so both of those combined would obviously have an enormous uh, impact financially on Yorkshire. But uh, I just wanted to talk about, I suppose, the fact that this is a uh, an Australian cricket show predominantly, but we do talk about world cricket issues, and this has been massive. I, on Twitter, I follow an account that shows the back pages and front pages of all the English newspapers, and cricket mm. has rarely had as much pro- um, publicity as it has over the last couple of weeks for this very reason. It's been front and back page news. Um, and, you know, it would be wrong, I'm sure, for those of us in Australia to think that this doesn't, um, you know, that elements of this don't exist in Australia as well. And um, so just if for those of you out there, particularly for those in Australia who might be thinking, oh, this is just a, a bit of an exaggeration and a bit of a storm in a teacup, it really isn't. Um, so, um, you know, the, Michael Vaughan, former uh, England captain, has been uh, named in it. Um, uh, Rafiq says that he, before a game, told uh, several of the British Asian players that there are too many of you lot, we need to do something about it. Uh, Vaughan strenuously denies saying that, but in addition to Rafiq, uh, Rana Navid Al-Hassan and Adil Rashid, who are both playing in that game, say that they recall him saying that as well. Gary Balance, former England player, Yorkshire player, has admitted using um, derogatory racist terms to Rafiq, um, and he used to, uh, had this habit of, well, habit of calling all people of colour Kevin. Alex Hales, the uh, England cricketer, had a, a, a a black coloured dog um, and it was named Kevin and the implication is it was for that reason. Although again, Hales strenuously denies that. And it's even brought in Joe Root. There's no accusations at all of Joe Root saying anything racist, um, but he was a, a housemate of Gary Balance and has come out and said he doesn't recall anything that has been said that was racist, which uh, a lot of people have said has been a disappointing reaction given how widespread it was for, for Root not to be able to recall it um, is disappointing. Um, so I'll pause for a second if you guys want to add anything, but I've just got a couple of excerpts from a couple of articles that resonated with me that um, uh, I, I think are worthwhile reading. But have you guys got anything to add at this point? No, just yeah. that it, just that some of the accusations, they're just really hard to, to read and listen to. And, um, yeah, it's just a really awful, awful reflection of cricket. And um, thank goodness that, you know, these people are speaking out now because you would hate to think that that would be perpetuated in the future. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time in England. My wife's English, uh, you know, played cricket there. So, not, look, none of this surprises me, having spent a bit of time in the culture. There goes Jaleesa. Uh, maybe a car's getting towed again. Um, but hopefully she'll be back. So, yeah, Paul, I mean, very concerning. What 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 the passages you wanted to read out? So Barney Rone in The Guardian uh, described the testimony that Rafika's has just given to a parliamentary inquiry. And just some of the quotes from that, I think, emphasise... Uh, I, th- I think they speak for themselves. Uh, so Roni says that Rafiq delivered a devastating, fearlessly detailed description of institutional racism shared live and unedited with the British public. It was hard not to marvel at Rafiq's performance. He was electrifying. His evidence was forensic, brutal when required, and heart-rendingly honest. Rafiq took a committee designed to take evidence and a room filled with MPs paid to opine and preach and simply overwhelmed the, the whole process with his testimony. And straight away, we were into the specifics of the abuse he suffered at Yorkshire. Elephant washes. You lot sit over there. Constant use of the P word. Rafiq talked about being held down by another Yorkshire cricketer when he was 15 while playing for his local club and having red wine poured down his throat. Rafiq is Muslim. He had never drunk alcohol before. An MP asked if no one intervened. Rafiq explained calmly and tolerantly how it works. That's the institution. You have people who are openly racist and then you have the bystanders. Lots of people saw it happen. 
No one felt strong enough to, stay, to say stop, said Rafiq. Um, there was real pain at the allegations against Martin Mox and Yorkshire's head of cricket, who literally ripped the shreds off me the day after Rafiq returned to work following the death of his stillborn child. He explained how he went through every mechanism, how he wept in front of the inclusivity and diversity board member, but still nothing happened. Um, there were some warm words for Jason Gillespie and for Joe Root too, even as Rafiq half buried Root by pointing out that contrary to what Root has seen to claim, the England captain was present on nights out when all this was flying around. It was the norm, said Rafiq. That's probably why some people don't even remember it. And Roney then adds, there was a startling point of contrast later in the day as the chief executive of the England and Wales Cricket Board, Tom Harrison, gave evidence and produced a wretched show of prevarication, flannel and non-speak buzzwords. To see him attempt to field basic, utterly foreseeable questions was to see an executive embarrassingly ill-equipped to deal with his brief. Here we had a salesman asked to speak to issues of character, culture and morality and simply drawing a blank. And the other one I just wanted to read briefly was from Saj Sadiq, who is the editor of Pack Passion. He's a British Asian. I think he lives in the north of England. And he said that ask any British Asian and Azim Rafiq's experience of racism will sound horribly familiar. The only shocking element of Rafiq's revelations is that people are surprised that this type of behavior has been allowed to take place. It is endemic. Rafiq stated that English cricket is institutionally racist. This may come as a shock or surprise to those from privileged backgrounds who still think of cricket as the gentleman's game, but to many from South Asian backgrounds, the only shocking element of Rafiq's allegations and revelations is that people are surprised that this type of behaviour has been allowed to take place. Up and down the country, ask the Asian school children, ask the Asian club cricketers, ask the Asian cricketers who are on county teams' books and hoping to turn professional, and ask the former professional players about their experiences, and you will realise that what Azim has been saying rings true, not just now, but has done so for many years and generations. Um, so if you look at him up um, on, on cricket at Pack Passion, you'll see more of that. Um, you can find more of that article. But I, I just thought that was a, a powerful set of words. And hopefully for those of you who thought that it was a storm in a teacup, if there are those of you out there, you'll realise that it is much more than that. And for people in Australia and the rest of the world, look to your own circumstances. Um, I'd like to think that in every Australian cricket club, it's a welcoming environment free of racism, but that would be highly naive. And that sometimes what you might think is banter is not and um you know put yourself in the other person's shoes and and see if we can get things better as a result of this yeah, well said Paul. Yeah, well said. Uh, i do want to point out that um in the days after rafiq's testimony it was it surfaced um some anti-semitic messages that rafiq had sent to somebody um so that was very disappointing it just shows that I mean, he's as guilty as um, of, of a lot of the same things he's, uh, you know, accusing others of. But it doesn't take away the the what is needs to be fixed, the institutional racism. But you know, on one hand, he's um, accusing Vaughan of being racist because Vaughan's made a very bad joke, and I'm not defending the joke. And then he's sending anti-Semitic messages uh, to a friend of his. So uh, Rafiq's no saint either. Um, and yeah, just the whole thing is disappointing. And I hope out of this, cricket is better. Yes, and but uh, Rafiq doesn't need to be a saint, as you said. This doesn't um, reduce the impact of, of of the situation. That those out there who are saying, "Oh, well, you know, they're all just as bad as each other," kind of thing. That's a a very incorrect take to have on it. That yes, Rafiq said some uh, racist things, which he has sincerely apologised for. Um, just like Ollie Robinson um, did when he was younger, said some wrong things. But that doesn't hide the fact that this institutional racism does seem to be present. And it doesn't seem to be just at Yorkshire because they have all the counties have now enabled people to make complaints. And apparently every single county, all 18, have now had um, complaints of uh, racism uh, uh, raised from, from people. All righty. Anyone want to add to that or should we move on and talk about some cricket, the WBBL? Excellent. Yep. All right. So uh, the WBBL has hit the finals. Um, so the top four has been decided. The Perth Scorchers are hosting the grand final this Saturday at Optus Stadium. And then, um, well, tonight, as we record this, but when you're listening to this, you might know the result. The Heat are playing the Strikers. The winner of that game plays the Renegades for a spot in the final. Um, to note, it's very, um, it's been a tough tournament to pick the defending champions the sydney thunder have crashed out the losing finalists the melbourne stars have crashed out and the sydney Sixers have won their first ever wooden spoon 
So congratulations to Elise Perry. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to pull out some performances from the um, the um, WBBL so far, just to to make note of. So Sydney Thunder Shmriti Mandana scored three hundred and seventy seven runs at a strike rate of one hundred and thirty, with a, a fantastic century towards the end of the tournament. And I thought she was, um, you know, a great addition despite her team underperforming. Uh, we really saw the benefit of having the Indian players, Paul. Yep. Um... We certainly did, and um, I was also I was impressed with the uh, with the opening partnership of the of the score of the Scorchers. That's really seen them dominate. Uh, Sophie Devine and, and Beth Mooney have been superb. Um, but yeah, Sydney Six is very disappointing, um, and some of the strike rates here. Well, I'm not sure what at least Perry's strike rate was at the end of the tournament. I've got it here um, for you. So 358 runs for Perry. So the Six is leading run scorer, but a strike rate of just 91. Point three two, um, so that's you know that's pretty disappointing. Elisa Healy was third; she scored two hundred thirty-one runs for the Sixers, but she you know that includes a, a high score of ninety-four not out. So another thirteen innings, she didn't score many. Shivali Verma one hundred ninety-one runs, pretty patchy for the Sixers. I thought uh, Elise Villani for the Melbourne Stars, 439 runs. She was outstanding again. Yep. Since she's been dropped from the Australian side, she's just piling on the runs. Meg Lanning, disappointing tournament for her, 250 runs, a strike rate of just 104. Um, she'd be disappointed. Uh, so yeah, Caleb Lemick would... was, was impressive, yes. I thought. Uh, especially, I you know, my viewpoint is pace in T20 cricket is often – not what's required, but she certainly um, provided a, a, a pretty good riposte to that. Yes. Um, yeah, she was excellent. So was Vakawera. And uh, look, I, I think, um, you know, the finals will be interesting um, when we get into them. I did note, um, I think was it um, Ashley Gardner was on the radio on the weekend saying that she thought some of the Australian performances uh, – the Australian players' performances were affected by the fact that they'd played in the um, – uh, the Indian series beforehand. Can you hear me, Jaleesa? Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a bit of a cop out from Gardner saying that the Australian players performed badly because of I that can't... series. Can you not hear Can't me? Oh. There's a bit of a I think it's a bit of a lag. Um all right, let's move on from the WBBL. Next time we record, we will know who can the champion. Yeah, it's a bit glitchy. Um, alrighty, Hi. Sheffield Shield time. Sheffield Shield time. So, um, funny week. Um, New South Wales played Victoria at the SCG. That was delayed by a day due to Will Sutherland catching COVID. But then on Tuesday, uh, they had to call stumps early at Karen Rolton Oval because the, the pitch was dangerous in a match there between um, South Australia and Queensland. Incredible. Yes, those that are calling it the Karen Rolton Highway have been um, having the force to change their name. <laughs> uh, big performances in the Shield. Uh, New South Wales versus Victoria. Travis Dean made 144 not out. Curtis Patterson, the man with the highest test average in history with no qualifier, scored 112 off 144 balls. He went there with a flurry of boundaries. And Tanvi Sanger, the young leg spinner, three for 60. Um, so that was an excellent performance. Joe Richardson took four wickets for 53 for WA in a match that's still going. Uh, so I, I think Joe Richardson's a real chance to start at the Gabba. I, I think that. Yeah, I think definitely he could be, or he'll definitely play a part at some point because I think, you know, obviously if they're going to go with that rotation policy, he's going to, he's, he's going to have to be one of the people that we, we turn to. So yeah, great performance from him. Yes, and I understand the notion that they want to pick um, Stark for the second test. I wonder if that will make them pick Stark for the first test as well, uh, just so that they don't, you know, if they picked um, Richardson and he took 10 wickets and then they'd feel like they couldn't pick Stark for the second test, maybe they wouldn't want to be put in that situation. I hope that's not the way that they think. But I, I think that at this stage, unless Stark was to do something uh, substantially better than Richardson in the intra-squad game, I'd be picking Stark, uh, I'd be picking Richardson. 
And the other performance that jumped out to me was Josh Philippi made 129 in the WA's last match against Queensland. It was his second first-class done. It was made in an innings where not many people were scoring around him. And, look, I think Philippi could be someone like Steve Smith. When Steve Smith came onto the, the scene, looking at him, everyone said he was super talented, but I would never have imagined that he would be averaging 60 at Test cricket. And I just th- think Philippi's one to watch. He's, he's got something, and, you know, this 100 was evidence of that. He needs to. If I mean, I don't think he's going to be in the Australian side in the in the, in the coming year. But when it, if he does get into the Australian Test side, I would have a lot of nervousness about him succeeding in the subcontinent based on how he performed in the spin friendly wickets in the two recent tours. So um, he needs to take a leaf out of Matthew Hayden's book and really start to practice um, practice his ability on those type of pitches. Do you think he's got a future, Jaleesa? Yeah, I think um, I agree with Paul that he's. Doing- need to um, be put on those kind of pitches. But, um, yeah, I think I think he's somebody that potentially um, could have a big future, maybe in the white ball game, given how he's been, how he has performed in the um, BBL. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, the Shield's continuing. They're about, I think they're about to take a break for the big batch soon. But Western Australia are on top of the ladder as we record this Victoria second, Queensland third. But some results to come in today, so that may change. There is a uh, comment here that the WBBL schedule is very stretched and needs fine-tuning. And I thought that over um, the last week that I think they haven't quite got it right yet. There's too much on the weekends and it's a bit hard to follow because of that. Yeah, I think it also suffered from, and this is, you know, you can't really blame us. It's just like that it's... You go, Jaleesa. I don't know how late I am now. I just think, I think it's disappointing that um, they are so com- compacted on the weekends because the thing that everybody loves about BBL is there's always something to watch every night. So I just think there would be a lot more night games during the week would be um, really great. I generally have been pretty... Um, happy with the BBL this season with scheduling, um, particularly because it fell in a space um, at the start where there was just not many other sports to overcrowd it. Um, But, yeah, I just think a lot more night games during the week would really elevate it. I completely agree. And I think that it also suffered, and it's not its fault, but it suffered for me being up against the T20 World Cup that I – my bandwidth wasn't enough and I ended up focusing on the T20 World Cup. But it's amazing how – um, like children TV viewers are, and I put myself in this category now, that if I knew that every night on, cha- on say, Channel 7-2, there was going to be a WBBL game starting at 7.30, I'd watch it every single night. And it's just, it's crazy. It shouldn't matter. But I sometimes think, oh, it's probably not on. I won't even bother turning it on to check, which is just bizarre, but that's yeah. kind of how it is. So I-, I think it's at the point now where that's what they need to, that's what they need to do. And um I think it would it would have legs. I think it would rate really well. Yeah, I agree. More night games. All righty. So that's the cricket headlines, uh, the glitchy cricket headlines. Uh, let's get into viewer mail. Um, so, Paul, have you got the notes there? We've got, I think, five or ten minutes before we have to end this show. Um, yep. Jaleesa could disappear at any time. Um, Paul, do you want to start with the first one? And rape here. Hadjik. <laughs> okay um from harry anonymous yep okay subject t-pain conspiracy theory i appreciate this will trigger manners but oh, i like this one i've got a conspiracy theory suspect on who might have been behind the about to be leak that forced t-pain's hand not england not steve smith not pain's radio station he'll be the new kyle sanderlands though jay langer my theory, and I'll need some lines of explanation, apologies for that, haha, goes, it's a power play after the backstabbing he was receiving from players. They were leaking to the press on him, etc. JL is not one for backing down. He gets in the trenches, fights dirty if he has to. With a new captain, maybe they keep the World Cup winning coach and JL can eventually leave on his own on his terms, not because of some whinging players. Will the question ever be asked about who actually was going to leak? Why now? Um so um, was it you guys who said that m- apparently most of the state cricket community knew? Fair enough. If it was the woman or someone linked to her, a Herald article suggested it was. Hmm, I find it fascinating. On pain, though, 
The person they chose to heal Australian cricket from its toxic culture, they found out was up to his belt in the toxic culture. It's an indictment of what Australian cricket is most of the time. I could go on and on. I don't think it was Langer. Do you, Jaleesa? No, I don't think it was Langer. And, um, you know, without knowing who has leaked it, um, particularly this time or anything, um, these uh, rumours and, um, you know, the situation have been going around for quite a few years in cricket and media circles. So um, I don't think it was a massive surprise to everyone. But um, I... No, it. I, I don't know who leaked it, but I, I can't imagine it would be Justin Langer. It would be just so stressful to have this heading into an Ashes series. I don't think he would have wanted this at all. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Like I like the theory. It's curious. It's curious though that Langer knew about this. That when you know he must have been aware that this was under the surface, and he was backing pain the whole time. Um, that is interesting. All right, next bit of um, correspondence. From Fred, nineteen seventy-one. Um, I know you'll chat about Azim Rafiq. Please do him proud, because this has been a long time coming. He's brave and he's a star, and this will make things better. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, this is from anonymous. I've been listening to the pod for years, and Paul is definitely more irrit- irritable towards you lately. Paul, please explain. <laughs> You've just become more irritating lately. Yeah, because you're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next one. um, Hi, guys. I think Payne deserves his spot in the side for the Ashes. He averaged 40 against India last and was Australia's third best batter behind Smith and Marnus. Surely he gets picked on form. If fit, I look forward to the new podcast. And that's from Alexi. Yeah, look, we did go through that one, but I think... um... You know, if fit and in form, he'll probably line up at the Gabba. And despite his actions, I do think it. W- I'm glad he'll get a chance to sort of um, go go out of the Australian team. You know, not crying and admitting to sending a picture. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's assuming ashes. he goes out. I mean, if he might, he might decide. Let's just say that he plays well during the Ashes. Um, he might will say, "That's it. I'm I'm playing until you have got no choice but to drop me." That would be annoying. Um, all right. Our next question, our next comment. This is from Rajay. Hi, guys. I listen to the podcast and I am a fan. You were generally on point with the coverage, but I think you were out of touch on this pain issue. A lot of the focus seemed to be on the idea of two consenting adults with very little regard paid to what it all means and what it meant for Payne's wife. We were all not perfect, but Payne was not faithful to his wife and that should be a big deal. Um, that That's kind of where I sort of disagree with this so far, that I think, you know, it's a pers- that personal stuff is none of our business. And then the next one was, Menas, I th- also thought you were totally off the mark with what the incoming no, board I members should have done. No, I agree. I don't think it's um, any of our business in terms Oh, no. Which is like the worst freaking podcast ever. Um, oh, well, look, this is um, this is the last bit. I'll just get to the bit. Angelisa, your input is too valuable for it to be muddled with bad Wi-Fi. Time to sort it out, please. Cheers. That was from Rajay. Sort it out for him. Um, all right. Let's just okay. do Can't Let It Go because this is annoying. What's your Can't Let It Go, Paul? All right. Um, my Can't Let It Go is that I... I have possibly stumbled onto something that's quite a big find. I almost certainly haven't. I'm just um, probably my memory's gone. But I distinctly remember seeing somewhere that uh, it has been said that there is no footage, that the earliest footage of the Ashes in Australia is the Ashes of 1924-25. And although there was footage taken of the Ashes of 1920-21, that none of it exists. Um, I happened to see a, um, uh, a YouTube video the other day that was kind of misleadingly titled. Um, it was just something cricket from 1921. And I started watching it and it was just this cricket in England. And all of a sudden it said, um, it suddenly referred to the 1920-21 Ashes and purports to show footage of a packed Sydney cricket ground showing a couple of balls and the crowd. And uh, so if you have a look at my Twitter, uh, Paul Dennett underscore, it's about four or five tweets ago that I sent it out. If anyone knows a lot more about this than me, I'd love someone to have a look at that video and tell me if that A is the 2021 Ashes, it looks like it must be, and B, 
is that something um, a remarkable find, or is there loads of that stuff going around? Because I've certainly not seen any, and it's potentially very exciting. I did see that footage come through, Paul. Thanks for sending that to us. Jaleesa, can't let it go. I'm waiting, but... Okay, well, first of all, is there any delay? Only about a minute. <laughs> that would be a yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say my can't let it go, even if there is a huge delay. Um... I, I just wanted to actually go back. I don't have a wife and that we were ignoring that issue. That um, is 100% an issue if it's somebody in your personal life or one of your friends or one of your family or whatever and you want to make your judgment on that. I think when we are viewing someone as an audience, we can't really take into account their personal life and we don't know what people's situations are. We don't know what their arrangements are. We don't know what their home life is like um, or like what agreements they have personally. So um, I don't want to judge um, either one of them on their marriage. I just want to judge them on professionally um, as a cricket fan. Agree. All right, my can't let it go. I've got two. Firstly, uh, the poor Big Ant video game company having to scramble at the last minute. They were going to have Tim Payne <laughs> on the front cover with Meg Lanning and, um, you know, he was the automatic selection when you selected the Australian side. He was the captain. Well, they've had to delay the launch. Pat Cummins is going to be the new cover. Um, and it's interesting, though, the politics of this, that, you know, they are really conscious that uh, everything has to be equal in terms of gender. So if you've got the Australian women's captain there, Meg Lanning, then, it, you know, it should be the Australian men's captain next to her. So you project a sort of equal, equal image. Well, uh, they've had to sort of put Cummins as their which I guess implicitly you'd think he'd be captain now, um, but he, I guess he was vice-captain. So, yeah, feel sorry for Big Ant. And my, and then my other can't let it go is, you know, incredibly, last week Australia won the World Cup and Matthew Way did it with a side strain. He was up to his earballs in painkillers. I mean, this guy is Australian grit personified. You know, this is the guy you want in the trenches next to you. He was injured, he was down and out, and he led us to a World Cup. So, you know, they could do worse bringing Matt Wade back into the side as keeper, captain, uh, first change bowler. There's nothing he can't do. That's my can't let it go. <laughs> Fantastic. All righty, well, Paul's got to go and uh, do a school run. Jaleesa's got to go and sort out the uh, internet at Channel 10. Um, so good luck with that. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.